0: This is an unreleased podcast episode I did with my good friend, Jay Schwedelson on his podcast, Do This, Not That. We had a great chat, and I hope you enjoy it.
1: We are here. I am excited. Today is going to be awesome. Welcome to Do This, Not That. I'm Jay Schwedelson, and today's guest is the Daniel Murray. Welcome to the show, Daniel. What's up? I don't know if I need the Daniel Murray, but I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All
1: right. One of the Daniel Murrays on planet Earth. Today's episode is going to be awesome. We're going to go into quick tips and tactics and pitfalls to avoid about generating LinkedIn engagement for your personal pages, for your company pages. And then we're also going to do the same thing, talking about email newsletters. And I literally can't think of a better person on the planet to have than Daniel. I'm going to let Daniel tell you his story in a minute, but let me tell you a little bit about what I know about Daniel from afar and why I was like, I need him for this episode. So back in 2019, when about November, when everybody's eating turkey, right? You're at Thanksgiving, you're eating turkey. That's what we're all doing. That's not what Daniel was doing. Okay. Daniel was plotting the future of all this stuff that he's built. And he founded this thing called the Marketing Millennials which if you fast forward now, it is the number one marketing podcast on the planet. It's my favorite podcast, and I'm not blowing smoke. The company page that he has on LinkedIn for Marketing Millennials has over 700,000 followers. Daniel has well over 100,000 followers. His newsletter has over 100,000 people ever getting it. And he did this all within the last four years. So he really has cracked the code on how to get the kind of engagement that we're all looking for on LinkedIn and in our emails. And that's what excites me. So that's why Daniel's here. But enough about me telling you about Daniel. I want to hear from him. So Daniel, what is the Daniel Murray origin story?
0: First of all, I need Jay as my hype man, because I can say anything (laughs) like that. The Daniel Murray story, it actually is pretty normal because I actually was a marketing ops person. I came up through marketing ops. I had a couple marketing ops. I went from startup to startup, went to one big company, went back. And I was listening to a podcast in 2019 and they were saying LinkedIn organic has so much organic reach. And being the marketer, I am and being a marketing ops guy, I was like, let's test this. And I just started posting random stuff on LinkedIn. The first post I posted on LinkedIn was a Halloween post of me with a bunch of my coworkers on LinkedIn. I was like, whoa, I have 1500 connections and I got 5000 impressions. And that was a lot at the time. And I was like, that's crazy that someone with like 15000 connections could get that many impressions. It took me four to six months to figure out what what I was doing on LinkedIn. I started just posting random marketing stuff. And then what I did was reverse engineer what the best were doing and the best in the game at the time. I had bookmarked all their pages and I was just watching from afar saying, oh, these people are doing this and these people are doing this. Also, I was reading the comment section of all these people and seeing what topics are people were talking about. But the Marketing Millennials was never something that, I was thinking, I'm going to create a big marketing community. It came out of, yeah. oh, people want more of this marketing information. I want to start a podcast. The podcast turned into a LinkedIn page. The LinkedIn page turned into a newsletter. The newsletter, and spiraled down. We can go into details on like how I grew it and everything like that. But it was really not an overcomplicated master plan to become the marketing millennial's It just happened through trying, testing, failing, trying, testing, failing, trying, testing, failing. And then suddenly a couple of things hit and I was like, let's double down and keep going.
1: When you talk about, you know, trying and failing and, you know, at the time you got 1500 connections or whatnot, were you trying and failing at first with your personal page or were you trying and failing and succeeding with the Marketing
0: Millennials? The Marketing millennials didn't even exist at the time. I was doing it with my personal page. I didn't even know about company pages. I didn't even have the Marketing millennials. The Marketing millennials podcast wasn't even an idea at the time. Starting was more, let me start putting out marketing content online. At first, it wasn't even marketing content. I was like, right I post marketing ops stuff. I didn't know where to post. But then what I really wanted to do is show that marketing ops got everything about marketing. That was the idea. I always had this deep... that it's hard for marketers to learn in their role because you're probably the only specialist in your role at the time so if you're a marketing ops person if you're working in a small startup or a bigger you probably one or two of the only people in your company do that and if you don't have a good boss it's hard to learn what you're doing and where you have to go as to other information and a lot of the information i was finding were just generic best practice stuff i wanted to eventually create the podcast came out getting smart people to share cool stuff so marketers can learn then that turned into a linkedin page the linkedin page was really at first to distribute the podcast content but where it started being successful is i started posting tweets of people i wanted on my podcast so that i got their attention And those tweets would go viral. And then I would ask them to come on my podcast. At the early stages, getting cool people on my podcast. That was the intention of the LinkedIn page. And then I was like, oh, I have something here. I remember telling Ari, who's my wife, if I get to 10,000 followers in a year on this page, it'll be successful. And it ended up getting 150. And now it's grown and grown. But I think it's just taking reps and consuming a lot of things. I think... I didn't go in there and be like, I'm going to be successful. I just tried and tried and tried. And then consistency won at the end. I hear you talk about consistency a lot, and I hear
1: you talk about reps a lot, and I love that. And so let's dig into some quick wins. Let's dig into some things that if you're, like you said, you could be at a company where you might be the only person, you know, in your department. And you might be wearing 12 different marketing hats and you're in charge of the LinkedIn page. You also have your personal page and maybe you only have 400 followers on your page and your company page is like 100 followers or whatnot. What are a couple of quick win tactics or pitfalls to avoid that the person with that responsibility should be doing on LinkedIn to get their engagement to grow, to get their follower count to grow? What should they be doing?
0: I think the first thing is decide what you want to be known for on that page or decide what the purpose of that page is. Do you want to be the best content for X? What is the the end goal of this page? What are you trying to do? And I think that determines the strategy of that page. If you think of a company page like a personal brand, that's how you'll be successful because what I thought about is if I could be the best page and I had an advantage because I wasn't a company for the market millennials, I could do this myself, but I said, this would be the best page for marketing content. And then what that let me do is just create content that serves marketers and doesn't serve any other purpose. That's why I stopped posting my podcast stuff or I stopped posting anything else. I was like, let's post funny, cool marketing stuff that's best for marketers. And if you think of content as a product, that means you're creating for your audience, you'll innovate on it, you'll invest in it, you'll put time and resources, you'll figure out how to distribute it because you're thinking of in your audience. The problem that I, I see with most LinkedIn pages is it's just a news feed or a update feed of what that company's doing, and nobody wants to follow that unless you have a brand, which most people don't. want to see updates of cool launches and updates and stuff you can't do that so you have to create stuff that people actually want to see in their feed every single day so think of yourself as a consumer do you want to see your someone's latest webinar or do you want to see a marketing tip that will make me better at my job today And usually the marketing tip and then the second tip goes into that is once you start creating content i heard mr b say this but this is the best way to put it the algorithm is the audience like the reason why content goes off and i don't care if it's the definition of bad content but if uh, if the audience is liking your pose that means that that's the content they want and that the algorithm is just putting content in front of people that they want to see and will engage in and if you're just creating content that you think is good it becomes a journal that's what I call it. You're just writing a personal journal because you think you're writing great stuff and, and you're not doing it for your audience. So that's why you got to keep putting out things. And if it works, you keep repurposing and repurposing. I know this is long answers, but those are the two things that I would think about at the beginning is your goal, how I'm going to create the best content for my audience and how I'm going to double down and be th- that best page. And also you have to commit what I, we've said this before. If you're a big marketing team, maybe it's better to go into a page, be able to give 100% on that page, than go in there and give 30% on that page. So, when you're a small marketing, focus is the key to winning. So, sometimes you don't need to have a LinkedIn page if you don't have the resources. But if your audience is hanging out there and you think this is a channel that is going to drive engagement with your target audience, then yes, double down and invest there. But I don't think if you have if managing a thousand channels, and you could only be mediocre on LinkedIn. You should go on LinkedIn. Something that
1: I learned from following you and then doing it myself and what you really just touched on is this idea of giving something to your audience that they want, you know, that's of value. I used to go on LinkedIn and be like, oh, we have a new content piece. I'll post that with a link to it. Oh, a webinar. I'll promote that on LinkedIn. And we looked at our company page and my own personal page as just another outlet for promotion of whatever the thing was at that moment that we were trying to promote. And it would get, you know, little to no engagement. And it was almost like we were checking a box. Okay, we posted on LinkedIn, we posted it here. And that's what we did. But what you really just talked through and what I've learned is that the secret to success is putting out content that whatever the audiences you're trying to cater to is interested in. Tips interesting things that you're seeing, nothing in the post that is self-serving to you or your business. That it's not like I'm posting this and I hope I get you know X amount of leads or X amount of customers or X amount of registrations. It's literally you're posting it because you think it's going to provide value and then doing that over and over and over and over again. And then let's say every 10th post, every 20th post, you have the ability then to promote something Because your audience is now engaged with your content that they're enjoying.
0: Is that the recipe that you you find as well? Yes. People don't mind ads if you're giving them great stuff. The reason why people still watch a Hulu show or listen to a podcast when there's stuff because you're just giving them something over and over. I think when it becomes a self-serving purpose of posting stuff on your feed, that's when the pitfall happens. Like when you are so self-centered that you want to check a box or you want to, and I don't say that it's not like marketers are trying to be self-centered. It's just, I've been in big companies. It's just like, let's just post this because we need to get distribution or something on there. But when you start asking after giving value for a long time, people don't tune it out because they're listening to you now. The goal of marketing in general is to get attention first. Once you get attention, then you can build intention with your audience. And once you have intention with the audience, then they will do things for you. They'll attend an event. They will trust you enough to maybe try out your product. They will buy a course you're doing. You have to build up that equity with your audience before you can start asking for them to come see your webinar or see this. And I'm not. What you said is perfectly, you can post those things, but that can't be your main strategy. Your main strategy should be give, 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 give. So yeah, and I heard Elon Musk say the other day, which I loved, he said,
1: the best kind of advertising feels like content. And I totally buy into that. I love that. So let me ask you some, I'm going to rattle off some 10 foot level LinkedIn things. You tell me yes or no type things. All right. Can you like your own post? Yes. Okay. Won't hurt you. That's good.
0: Like your own post. I mean, it's just distribution. Like that's what I think about it is. Like, if you like your own post, it's distributing. It's telling. And I, I would say this for LinkedIn. It just tells the algorithm like, hey, let's get it to more people in in the feed. So it's not self-serving. It's actually trying to help you get more attention. All right.
1: Daniel Murray likes his own post. Fact. Is it good or bad when you post something to put, let's say you're promoting something on your site, you have a link to a piece of content or whatever, and it's a link to off of LinkedIn. Is it bad to put a link in your post that's going to take people
0: off LinkedIn in terms of the algorithm? No, you can, but it has to be telling people to go in the comments or once the algorithm hits, then you edit the post and put a link in. But you can do it. It does downgrade you if you put it as the main thing in your post. So you post
1: something and you say, see the comments for the link. That's probably your best path for distribution.
0: Yes. Or what I like to do is edit the post after it's been live. It lets the post go to the algorithm first and then edit it. And then mm-hmm. you could put your link in there afterwards.
1: Like five, 10 minutes later, something like that.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: When do you feel is the best time to post or in best day to post on LinkedIn? Every day is
0: the best day to post. <laughs> but I still think hitting people early morning and then at night is the best time. It's when people are scrolling the feeds. I, when you hit it early, that's when people are normally on the feed or later. But I also think test it for your audience. I don't think there's a strategy for everybody. Like it could be afternoon for you. It could be night for you. It could be morning. For me, I like posting morning and night. On company pages, you kind of get more leeway. Sometimes I post three to four times on a company page. Way two oh, hours. Wow. Wait too uh, hours. In, in one day, you'll post three to four times in one day? Yeah, because wait two hours. Because they don't ding you as much as personal brand. Like if you post too much, they ding you. But I don't know. Company pages, they let you get away with
1: So let's migrate over to email newsletters. So you have an awesome email newsletter. I literally don't understand how you pump out as much content that you do on the newsletter. I'm jealous of that. And you have a ton of subscribers on your newsletter. But this is also a recent adventure for you. You've grown it like a hockey stick in terms of your subscribers. So what are some quick tips in terms of how you grow for people that don't have a massive following, how can you start to grow your email newsletter? How soon should you start sending out a newsletter? Do you need 5,000 subscribers or you start sending if you have 50?
0: And what are some things that you figured out to drive email engagement? Build attention somewhere first. So I started on LinkedIn, then I started being able to have organic subscribers. But if you can't do that, you have to be scrappy or pay for subscribers. That's The only other way to do it, you either have to reach out to people and say, I think you'll like my newsletter, or you need to grow a a organic channel, like LinkedIn, TikTok, somewhere where you can drive people. The second question, when to start, the answer I give is just reframe it in your mind and say, we're talking to a classroom of 20 people, be cool. Probably yes. Talking to a classroom of a hundred people, talking to a thousand people, talking to twenty thousand people. Now you're starting to get to stadiums of people. When you're talking to like a hundred thousand people, then you're talking about major college football stadium. So if you reframe it like, who cares? If it, like you're talking to a classroom first. If you could provide one person value in your newsletter, that's a, a win for you. So. It's never too early to just start putting out content. And also it's better to have bad content when you have a little bit of subscribers than when you have a lot of subscribers. So it's a good way to get out all the bad reps. It also gets you in the habit. I think that's where people lose in content is they don't build that muscle of grading and putting out content all the time. Also, a newsletter is a great thing to repurpose on other channels. You create a long form piece of content. Now you have a podcast idea, five LinkedIn posts, 10 tweets. A long form piece of content can be cut up and put into so many different channels. So it's a great way to create a pillar piece of content that you could
1: distribute in a lot of places. Let me ask you a question though. You just touched on something repurposing and this kind of combines LinkedIn as well. And I've seen you talk about this and I think it's a super important point for people You know, sometimes you'll do a post and then, I don't know, three months later, you might put up the same post again or some different version of a similar post and it might be pulled from your newsletter or it might be something literally that you just reposted again. What is your take? Is it okay to go back to the well on something that did well or once you used it, it's dead to you forever?
0: One of my friends, Amelia, quote, content isn't a wedding dress that you put on once. It's your favorite hoodie that you rewear with a bunch of different things I, a lot of times people forget that as you grow you're reintroducing new people to who you are so sometimes you when you're posting old stuff it's to show people who haven't seen it before also the reason why you wouldn't post it is because you think someone saw it but i bet you it's your own ego that thinks that people actually remember what you post. I could guarantee you people don't remember what I posted two days ago. So I could probably post something in a three-day period and keep repurposing it. Because if someone likes something, they'll continue to like something. It might go down a little bit. But what I've noticed is that if it works, keep putting it out there until it stops working. You wouldn't turn off an ad if it's producing revenue just because like people have seen it a a lot of times, like you wouldn't just turn it off. And if you do turn it off, you wouldn't just not reuse it again because it it, it didn't work. Sometimes you have to remix because the context has changed or the time or problems have changed or stuff like that. But if content has worked before, it's gonna work again. I've seen it also. Also on different platforms. Like if it works on Twitter, it's probably gonna work on LinkedIn, If it works on your newsletter, it's probably gonna work somewhere else. If it works on your podcast, it's probably gonna work somewhere else. I have to say that that tip,
1: the idea of, and I kind of look at it almost as like a two to three month cycle for me. That tip that I, I got from you, where looking at the content that resonated the most maybe slightly tweaking it, maybe not even slightly tweaking it on our company pages, on my pages, whatever, and using it again, it almost reinforces with the people that you're trying to engage with, who you are, what you're about. And to your point, it was my ego where I felt like I can't post this. People are going to think I'm a loser because I posted this already. And the reality is nobody cares. Nobody's thinking about some random post I put up or you put up. They're just trying to get through the day. And if it's a good post and it's worked before, it's going to resonate with a new audience.
0: The best content creators out there, the best comedians out there, like, they say the same thing 20 different ways. If They have one to five things. Like, if you go look at Gary Vee's content, he's probably saying the same things over and over, but in different ways, in different formats, different types of things. But the, the underlying message is the same. So if you can come up with underlying messages that are the same and just tweak repurpose and what i will also say is that find underlying messages that resonate with your audience um as well and if you could just tweak them a little bit that's what i do with like memes on marketing most of the memes are just ideas that i know have worked with marketers i just tweak it a little bit with a different meme template or a different format or a different way saying it. but it works every single time because i know my audience resonate with it
1: i love that These are great tips. So let's jump into another segment here. Now things are going to go a little bit off the rails. We're done with all this marketing talk. We're going to go into a segment that I call, since you didn't ask. All right, Daniel, I'm going to ask you random things that have nothing to do with marketing. You ready for this? I'm always ready. Nice. All right. So little known fact about Daniel Murray. He's a division one college football player. I believe you played for both University of San Diego and the University of Cincinnati. Do I have that right? Yep, you're correct. So you got to be a real deal athlete to play Division I college football. But Daniel's recently transitioned from college football a while back and now he's very into pickleball. And what I want to know is, do your college football friends make fun of you for now going all in on pickleball,
0: I'll give a little correction. It's tennis, but I do play pickleball too. <laughs> I actually haven't like publicly said that on my like personal feed. I've been putting it on my newsletter. But I grew up in a sporty family. My mom put me in every sport growing up, so I play every single sport. The reason I stuck with football is like that was one thing I knew. I didn't start with playing football till high school, but I stuck with football because it's the one place I knew I could keep playing. For a longer period of time, basketball, I played center, but I was too short for that to play in college. I wish I actually stuck with tennis. That would have been fun. I hope my kids play tennis. They could choose whatever they want, but I hope they play tennis uh, in the future. So that will be cool. But I just thought tennis just fun. Can you beat all your old college football buddies?
1: I mean, is that like a walk in the park for you now? I don't know
0: if they even would play tennis. I think tennis is like a very unique sport to just get it. It's actually one of the hardest sports. Pickleball is really easy to pick up. Tennis is way different. There's more space on the court. The swing has to be perfect to go. One of the things I noticed about it is a great way to clear your mind from not thinking about work or marketing or anything because you have to think about like a ball is coming at me. I have to hit it. I have to get it. Across. Now when What is my opponent going to do? You have no time to think about anything else. There's no downtime in tennis. It's just continuous action, which is a good separation from doing something like thinking about marketing all day. Oh, I totally agree.
1: I I hate running, but I go running because it's the only way I know of to clear my head. And I listen to the most epically horrible 80s remixes, or I'll even type in like horrible 90s music, like literally the worst playlist ever. And that's what I'll listen to because I have absolutely no taste. I have no taste in a lot of things. I have no taste in music, TV, or anything like that. Actually, that brings me to another question. So you're married to Ari Murray. And for the listeners that don't know, Ari Murray on her own is a fantastic marketer. She has a podcast called Go to Millions. You should follow her. She is terrific. And she has a great newsletter. But Ari has tremendous taste in TV because she watches TV similar to like what I watch, trash TV. Right. And I'm sure because you guys are married, you sit on the couch and she forces you to watch horrendous television. So I want to know of all the garbage TV that you are basically forced to watch, what is your guilty pleasure? There's got to be something that Daniel Murray actually likes that
0: that I would like. That's terrible. There is some entertaining stuff that goes along. Ari makes me watch most of the stuff she watched. She's a big Bravo girly. Real Housewives, Vanderpump. We were big on the Vanderpump scandal this season. My guilty pleasure is I wake up like every... Saturday and Sunday that F1 is watching and watch every single race and I think some people would think that's trash TV because it's cars going around and track (laughs) but I've got an obsession the last few years of F1 driving and I got an obsession now with tennis and I've been watching Wimbledon all the time but trash TV like would you love I probably know names of people you would we can talk about Bravo as well now Well, Bravo is definitely not trash TV. I mean, Andy
1: Cohen uh, is one of my inspirations for doing a podcast. I mean, I love that guy. I love everything about a Bravo F1. I don't get, I mean, you're literally sitting there watching a car go in a circle or not even a circle, but what I would like to see is I would like to see you try to get in one of those cars. Daniel's a pretty tall dude. And then I want a slow-mo
0: video of you trying to get in one of the cars and drive. Have You ever driven one of those cars? No. Fun fact about me, I, I don't know if I've ever said this, but when I was in fifth grade, my mom sent me to go-kart camp. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's a thing? <laughs> I got a nickname, Stealth, because I would just sneak through corners and cut people off and keep driving. I'm scared to get back into go-karts because I think the go-kart will go much slower and I'll get beat. In F1, two to three pounds overweight like, makes a difference to how fast the car goes and... I'm like 50 pounds more, so I'll probably get crushed in that. I just like things that are competitive and to see people who go every single day and work hard to do something that gets a goal. There's so much similarities to that and marketing of putting in effort, putting in bad practice every single day, putting in good practice every single day and hitting towards a goal and having passion to become X y and z that's why sports and marketing have similarities to them you have to keep trying doing things every single day to get better that is
1: so spot on well this has been amazing and let me just or just tell everybody again follow daniel murray on linkedin listen to the Marketing millennials podcast get daniel's newsletter it really does up your marketing game daniel i cannot thank you enough for for being here on do this not that
0: today I'm so excited for being here and go follow Jay too. He does some great stuff. Guru conference coming up, you guys go attend. And this podcast is gonna be ahead because if you didn't notice, Jay is just a personality. So that's gonna be great.
1: Appreciate that.
0: Thanks, my man. Appreciate you. All right. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the marketing millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.